Brodo family, welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. It is time. Fantasy season is officially upon us. It is draft season. After the draft, you know what we say, the season begins. And you cannot go into the 2021 season without the Fantasy Football by Brodo app that gives you every single thing you need to know. Period. That's it. Every single thing you need to know. What do they have? They have player profiles with every single stat. You want advanced statistics? We have advanced statistics. A social media page for you to talk about, maybe on Thursday, come through, talk about the draft with other like-minded people. If you want to know about these draft prospects, their specs are available. If you want a tool to, cool tools to do, to rank things and show off to your friends, we got them. Rankings, news, coaching. How are these Rookie's going to be used. Look at the coaching tendencies now. Player contracts, articles, podcasts, everything you need to dominate your fantasy football season. It is all on the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. Download it now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. It is finally time. Not only is it finally time to actually draft, it is finally time to actually hear us talk about these draft picks. We don't make any qualms about it. We don't make any type of, we don't lie to you. We are not draft analysts. We are not college football avid watchers. We are not the type of people who are going to hit the, the like, there's definitely going to be this person drafted in the third round. We are not those people. But now that we know where the focus is for fantasy, now that we know who's coming out in these drafts, where these people are going to be coming out in the drafts, now is where we get to get our expertise, where we need to watch this film, we need to watch the players, we need to think about uh, matchups, we need to think about everything. So today, we are going to be mock drafting the first 12 picks, kind of like the NBA lottery, uh, the first 12 picks of this year's draft, but only thinking as if we are the GMs of fantasy teams. Um, as always, I am your host, Tim Petrop, joined by my brothers, Jason and Michael. What's good, guys? Sup, Tim? You know, we typically, our rookie review episode is a popular one. It's typically after the draft. So this year we're doing like a rookie review sort of thing and then a rookie preview after the draft, I suppose. So you get uh, double the rookie goodness this time around. Definitely just mixed up the... I was going to say, like, that didn't make any sense. Oh, my bad. Preview, then review. Yeah, I didn't get review and preview confused. Preview of the draft, of course, and then review (laughs) of that. So we are a fantasy football show, but... If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash brotofantasy is where you can. And in your membership is an extra episode of week a week. This week, we are going to be looking at my mock draft 1.0, my only mock draft, unless something changes tonight. Um, I'm not into making 100 mock drafts, but mock draft 1.0 with defensive players, with offensive linemen. Today, our draft is only going to be wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends. Uh, that is all we are caring about. Only people who have positions, uh, unless Jason's going to uh, draft a surprise kicker that no one tells us about. Only people that have positions on fantasy. I did want to draft um, 
Sewell to a team, but you guys wouldn't let me. No. So I guess offensive linemen route as well, although they make an impact in fantasy. They do. But okay. They you do. start offensive linemen weekly? No. Shut it. It's a technical. You start everyone they're blocking, you bitch. No, you don't start the people they're blocking. You start the people they're blocking for. You. You, yeah. Exactly. You I said the people that he's. Nah, you just got if it's own. If it's defensive leagues, you start. Thanks, Jason. Jason, do me a favor. People are blocking. Do me a favor. Just shut your mouth. Just shut your mouth. <laughs> so before we start, uh, there's one piece of news that dropped today. The Twins' favorite quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, finally is moving on. Uh, it is official. Sam Darnold is the starting quarterback, in case you didn't already know that, um, in Carolina. And he is being traded to the Broncos. The Broncos, another quarterback needy team that people are thinking might move up in this draft as the draft gets closer and closer. They acquire him for a six-round pick, so not a lot of draft capital. But the money that Bridgewater makes... This is not the type of guy who you want on your roster as a third quarterback. So do you think this takes them out of the running to trade up for a quarterback, or do you think they're still right there in there? Uh, quick shout-out to Emery Hunt, who said we didn't know what we were talking about because we're fantasy people when we said that Bridgewater sucks and the Panthers signing him was bad for their franchise. So shout-out to him. Um, and now back to the question that you asked him. Yeah. I don't see how they one they have Drew Locke. Like it's not like they're bringing in Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's a starter. I do think it's going to be a competition. We know who Teddy Bridgewater is. He is a mid-level at best quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over. If the Broncos want to go into that and that's one of Drew Locke's biggest weaknesses. Um turning the ball over way too much. It depends I mean if the Broncos play strong defense, maybe they try to be one of those teams that end 10 and six with a top ranked defense and a very mediocre offense as well. I figure that's their path if they make Teddy Bridgewater the starter, but I do think it's going to be um, a quarterback battle there with Drew Locke, at least getting a shot to prove that he's going to make a third year jump. I'm not a big Drew Locke guy. I don't really see it happening. I don't think they're in the position to not draft a quarterback. I think they absolutely should draft a quarterback. If I was running that team, I'd be looking at QBs. But based on this trade, I highly, highly doubt that they'd be taking a quarterback. And I do think this basically knocks them out of the quarterback um, situation here um, tomorrow night. Yeah, I just see it as the Broncos saying, we'll give Drew Locke a shot, but if our defense ends up being really good and he keeps throwing the game away, we want to be a team that's going to win games 12 to 10. That's what this trade tells me. I don't. I don't know about that. I, I. I don't know if it tells me like you guys are saying. Like this means they're going to be a defensive oriented squad. I think that Bridgewater blows. Yes, that's the case. But at the same time, he is a capable quarterback uh, in his own right. Like he's not capable of what? Look, he sucks. Yes, but is he? If he becomes a backup, is he automatically one of the better backups in the league? Yes. So with that being said. You got a young kid in Drew Locke. You want him to make that next step. You bring in some real competition for him in Teddy Bridgewater. If he can't beat out Teddy Bridgewater, you know what you have in Drew Locke. N nothing that you want, right? So then you can move on next year. If he does beat out Teddy Bridgewater, then you have a quality backup for if he does go in and there and throw four interceptions. You know what I mean? So that looks like the game plan here for them. But I don't think that takes them away from a Trey Lance or maybe a Mac Jones or maybe even a Justin Fields if he falls. It seems like mock drafts this year 
are literally all over the place. Uh, there is, there's no consensus. I remember last year, last year everyone was like, this is our mocks, but things are going to get crazy because it's 2020 and no one knows what the hell's going on because of coronavirus. And it ended up being one of the more chalk drafts that I can remember in a long time. I remember like the first like 12 picks went chalk. Like there was no surprise whatsoever. There was no trade-ups. Um, so this year is completely different. I think this year is unpredictable. We started the year with just like these two quarterbacks. And then as the time went on, all of a sudden there you, you're talking about five quarterbacks that have uh, the first time since 2018 that five quarterbacks will be drafted in the first round probably. So it's a, you know it's, it's a confusing draft to say the least. It's a it's it's going to be an unpredictable day, which is always my favorite types of drafts. So some there some ways I can go, "Oh." And you know, I love doing that. Yeah, that's that's one of the best part about the NFL draft, the unpredictability of it. And you you're right, it was a little less unpredictable last year. So I am looking forward to it uh tomorrow, especially with the the Jets going number 2 overall. Us Jets fans here See who are very likely going to be Zach Wilson, but know for sure who our next franchise quarterback will be. Yeah, that would be. I would love to see Tim's reaction because the fourth Brodo member, um, official Brodo member, um, Santiago Casanova, is all over the Jets are going to take Justin Fields train out of nowhere. And um, I would love to see Tim's reaction if that happened. I mean, I'm, nah. a, I'm a Fields fan. I just don't think that he needs to be in New York. But anyway, yeah, no, I I don't want that to happen. I'd rather have Zach Wilson. I like, and and we're gonna go over. You're gonna see how just how much I like Justin Fields later today. A little preview. Um, but you mean Wilson? Both. I mean, I'm oh. not picking for the Jets. Michael's picking for the Jets, so he'll talk about Wilson. Yeah, Jay, no spoilers, bro. Um, but with that being said, um, you know, to, just to go back to this Broncos trade, I think this does give you the hint if you're the Broncos, if you're looking at, if you're a Broncos fan, you're trying to see what are the Broncos up to. I think that this shows that they don't like five quarterbacks in the draft. They like three or four quarterbacks in the draft. And because it seems as though unless Washington football team comes up and trades, unless the Patriot co- Patriots come up and trade, unless the Lions pull some shit, um, then it doesn't look like a quarterback is going to go at four to the Falcons or at five to the Bengals or at six um, – to the Dolphins or at seven to the Lions or at eight to the Panthers. So they're sitting pretty for one of these five quarterbacks to sit in their lap. And the fifth quarterback will probably fall in their lap unless, again, some unforeseen shit happens. So I think they're preparing themselves for, okay, if we're at nine, if we have a chance to move up in a deal that we like, we'll move up. If we don't want to move up and we want to stay at nine and a guy that we like, maybe Lance, maybe Fields, falls there, then we'll take them. But if not, we're comfortable going into next season with Drew, Lo- Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater's as backup. I think that's what we can, you know. But like you said, they're going to have Locke and Bridgewater, those contracts, and draft another rookie. I don't know about that. I think this takes them out of the QB running, but time will tell. We I do want to see Bridgewater's guaranteed money on his contract because I wonder if he's a cap hit for the Broncos at all if he gets released right after the draft. You know, because it's a six-round pick. So, yeah, I'll check I the Brodo app. Nice. I don't think they're going to spend a sixth round pick just to cut Teddy Bridgewater. That makes no sense. Yeah, he's uh, he's making starter money, guys. His contract goes through 2023, so 
he's kind of there for a decent amount of time, and he's making 21 mil a year. Yeah, they're not cutting him. 33 mil of that guaranteed. Dead right. cap of 20 mil. But right now, the, the guaranteed money is the Panthers' responsibility. So I, I if it was a signing bonus, right? So I mean, we get, he still has a dead cap of twenty thousand right now, though. Twenty million. Twenty million. Twenty million. Yeah, twenty thousand would be. Nothing. But if but if the Panthers have a dead cap number now of twenty million, then I wonder if the Broncos will also acquire a dead cap number of twenty million, or if that's a one time thing. That's something that that I'll I'll get. Well, they took on the contract, so now they're liable for the contract. But are they the liable for the contract? I don't know. I, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see a little bit more closer in the contract. But I, I don't think that a Teddy Bridgewater contract is going to stop them from getting a quarterback. Carolina is paying 7 mil of Bridgewater's 10 mil in guaranteed money for 2021. There you go. Yeah, they're not cutting him for $3 million and giving up a sixth-round pick. It doesn't make any sense at all. Trading for him the day prior to the draft. I I beg to differ. I think it's insurance. Uh, Bro, you, Trent Dilfer. You, you blow my mind. I don't understand how you think there's a chance this guy gets cut. Well, they just traded for him the day prior to the draft for a sixth round pick. That's, and that's why. They, that's how. And now they're liable for oh, three oh, million. On a the hook whole for three, three mil too. A whole three million? Oh my Bro, god! You're so stupid. A whole you're so stupid. It blows my mind. Sometimes. A whole three million? Hold on. You want to bet that they do not hold draft on. a quarterback? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. One, two, three. That took mad long to count to that. That was that's mad millions. Is that, a, is that a joke? Yes, it's a joke. Three million. Like terrible. three million is gonna stop them from getting their franchise quarterback. Come on now. Come on. Think. <sighs> Think. You're an imbecile. There's a zero percent chance they're drafting a quarterback. Um, Jason, you wanna how about this? I will I will put a bet down with Michael that if one of the big four, not the big five, is available when the Broncos pick, they will take them. So basically Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Not Mac Jones. You're not. You're counting. Mac, you're not counting Mac Jones. If they draft Mac Jones, I don't win. It's just a tie. Hey, whatever. Yeah, I'll take that bet. All right. Let's see. Um, so Michael's about to get even more mad at me. The, that's a theme apparently to the show. Is Why am Michael, I going to get mad at you? Because we're about to talk about the topic of the day. Before we get into our oh, mock we draft, we had a little argument in the chat, which is, do you Kerfuffle. see? Do you see the value in drafting a running back in the first round? Michael and Jason are OD like, like I don't Gen want this X, topic to be on the no, pod because you sound dumb. OD Gen X <laughs> like like oh Gen Lil X. Pump is the best rapper alive type shit where they you don't know even yeah. don't listen to Lil Pump. Yeah, but don't don't this is, no. Don't you dare say some shit like that. Words in our mouth saying Lil Pump no. is a great rapper. No, no, no. You, you know what he's getting like Oh, you know what I'm no, getting No, no, because people might think that's how we feel. As an Absolutely analogy, not. as an analogy for football, the twins are in the, oh, Lil Pump the, is the best rapper ever. Uh, fuck people who play guitar. I'm all about Fruity Loops. Like, uh, put skirt, 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 skirt it's different, in though. the background of my songs because it's the new way and no, no old ways are good. But... No. The stats prove otherwise, and you I'm are, not the. Hold on, we didn't even, we didn't even, we didn't even have the question yet. The question is, is it worth it? Is it valuable to pick a running back in the first round? Jason, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm not the running backs don't matter guy. I'm the don't spend high draft capital on positions that don't matter guy. The first round should have zero running backs, zero defensive tackles, not defensive ends, defensive tackles, zero safeties, zero tight ends. And I could make an argument for other positions. 
Those positions should be nowhere near the first round. I don't care how good they are. I I think that Kyle Pitts is not a good pick in the top 10, but some team's going to take him. These positions just don't make a difference enough. The different You can draft a running back in the first round, and he could be very good. But the difference between a first-round quarterback or cornerback or defensive end compared to a fourth-round one as compared to a first-round running back compared to a fourth-round one, the difference is not large enough. It's not worth it to take those positions in the first round. So, Jason, I know you're speaking in hyperbole a little bit, but there is a big difference between the first round and fourth round running backs. It's it's second and third round running backs that really shine. Just want to put that out there. I'm just trying to get the idea of the difference between these first round running backs and later ones is smaller than the first round cornerbacks and later ones. All right. So since 2013, let's take a look at the running backs that have um, that have been drafted in the first round. See, this doesn't do anything for I'm me. I'm just going to just shush. All right. Um, number one, Melvin Gordon, 2015. Todd Gurley, 2015. Ezekiel Elliott, 2016. Christian McCaffrey, 2017. Leonard Fournette, Son- uh, in 2017 as well. Sony Michelle in 2018. Rashad Penny in 2018. Saquon Barkley in 2018. Josh Jacobs in 2019. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the very end of the first round. And I think that... Tim, real quick. How do you hear that list of names and not think to yourself... What a terrible decision it was to take a running back in the first round. I'm mind-boggled that you list those names and you think it's a smart thing. What What are you on? Like, look, look I'm, you mentioned this already. Running back running back stats, is if wins is not a QB stat, then it's definitely not a running back stat. So I don't want to hear about wins right now. But let's look at these teams' offenses. The whole point is that running backs do not contribute nearly as much as other positions do towards team wins. Um, that is a, that is a bold faced lie. Like, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, uh, because the, the chiefs needed CEH last year to be successful, right? No, but But the the, the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Rams, Rams won the Super Bowl, but the Rams surely needed Todd Gurley. The Rams surely needed Todd Gurley to be good. And the Panthers surely needed CMC. And so you're talking about a head coach, one of the youngest head coaches of all time, who is known to be an offensive guru who got a tremendous year out of Todd Gurley. You're two, using two like to three the, tremendous years. The like the only example you could that's literally the only example you could look at that favors your side. No, it doesn't because the and Chargers, they had a tremendous offensive line, tremendous offense in general, and a solid defense. It was just an overall great team that also happened to have a great running back. The Chargers also their offense got much better with Melvin Gordon. Ezekiel Elliott when he went to the Cowboys, I don't even have to talk about the turnaround that you saw there. Christian McCaffrey completely turned around the the Panthers. Look, turn around in what way? The Panthers have sucked every year with McCaffrey. Their offense is not the reason why they're losing. It's their defense. And you build teams. The teams build. If you you talked about Todd Gurley, you talked about Todd Gurley being around this this powerhouse team. When he first got with the Rams, that team sucked. That team was nowhere near a powerhouse. They built around Gurley. They took the oh, quarterback man, they out. They brought the- in McVay, and McVay turned the team completely around. And you think and Todd Goff. Gurley and Goff and what and Goff. Yes, what you're so, gonna just so act Goff, like Goff is a piece of shit quarterback? No, like so Goff, decent. so Goff is 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 the reason why they won. But when Gurley is the reason why Goff is even good, it's McVay's. It's McVay. It's all about opportunity cost, man. If there's a ten percent chance of drafting your franchise quarterback, that is a better payout 
than a 100% chance of drafting a franchise running back. Look, am I am I saying we should take Saquon Barkley number two overall? No, I'm not saying that. But I think at the end of the first round, there is room for running backs. And we're not even talking about like, let's also take a look at Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb got drafted with the first pick of the second round. David Montgomery, who was the reason why the Bears even made an attempt to go to the playoffs last year, at the end of the year. They did make the playoffs. Exactly. But he's the, the only, he's the only reason why they even attempted the playoffs. Without no, him. it was their defense. It was their defense. Yo, yes. their defense was equally good throughout the whole year, Michael. And then David Montgomery started killing teams, and they went 6-2. and two. And, oh also, and also, Mitch Trubisky came back in the game. Let's, let's not talk about Mitch Trubisky, though. But he was their first pick. Dalvin Cook was an early second-round pick. The, the league is littered with high draft pick running backs that are on good offenses. And if you're a team like the you Steelers... Just, you just named second and third round running backs in no, Montgomery. And, pick. and don't get me started, second Montgomery. How, how are you choosing Montgomery's if Montgomery... Montgomery is trash, okay? He had the easiest stretch of all time last year and then sucked it up again against New Orleans, first round of the playoffs. Shocking. Montgomery is a piece of trash. And the thing is... If you are drafted as a high running back, you're going to get the opportunity and you're going to play well. That's how it goes. What? Or at least enough volume to how make it goes. It seem Even like Trent Richardson well. was a beast for a little while. If you if a team spends a first round pick on a running back, they're going to get a shitload of volume and they're going to look better than they are. The it's not worth it. If you're a Steelers I mean, fan, what has Josh Jacobs done for the Raiders? The Raiders are in look, an even worse situation than they were when they drafted Josh Jacobs. Look, Josh Jacobs. Round. Josh Jacobs had a bad year last year. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna act like he didn't. But in terms of, in terms of, his difference in his rookie season, are you kidding? Tim, man, he made an impact his rookie season. Congrats. You know who else make impact the rookie seasons? Very, very, very many of the first round picks that aren't running backs too. Like the whole point, the whole fact of the matter is that what running back. What does that back, even mean? It means there's no reason to draft a running back in the first round. Oh, Josh Jacobs helped the offense his rookie season. Who gives a fuck? He's a running back who, guess what? His second year, was he that great? No, because he's a fucking running back. He's a. Re- Unless you are a star running back, like there are exceptions to the rule, like Alvin Kamara, like Dalvin Cook. These are very, very good running backs who are terrific. But again, they weren't even drafted in the first round. Like Ezekiel Elliott, yes, he had a huge impact on Dallas's first couple seasons, helped them make the playoffs. But they didn't they didn't win, did they? Like once it comes down to it, the running back position is a highly replaceable position. We just saw the Buccaneers win with Fournette, Rojo, and Dare Ogbenwale at running back. We saw the Chiefs win the prior season with Damian and Daryl Williams. Like, you don't need a star running back as much as you need a very solid offensive line. As Jason said, a very solid cornerback, a very solid defensive end, a possible franchise QB. It just doesn't make logical sense to draft a running back when those guys are available. Like, Saquon Barkley, second overall, is one of the worst picks of all time. I'm not going to change. Nothing's going to change my mind about that. You you say that. You really you, you say that. And then that's that sounds fine. But just two years prior to that, Todd Gurley literally led the Rams to the to the Super Bowl. And then he had a shitty year, and they were nowhere near the Super Bowl the next year. And everything else was the same around him. Jared Goff also had a much worse year the following year. I wonder why. Because Todd Gurley fucking sucked. Because Todd Gurley wasn't the, there for him. Because that is the impact that a guy like that has. 
And it's very rare that one a, that you're a choosing back, one. You're, you're choosing one. I no, get, I'm not. I'm choosing literally every team that has won Super Bowls recently. And Dalvin Cook, second rounder. Alvin Kamara, third rounder. Like, you don't need to draft these guys in the first round. You could find running backs in later rounds. You could find running backs in later rounds is a ridiculous... Teams win Super Bowls without star running backs. Teams do not win Super Bowls without star QBs. No one said you should take a running back over a QB. Or a star defensive player. Or a star defensive end. Like... It just it boggles my mind that you don't think the running back position is just, as Jason said, opportunity cost. It just doesn't make logical sense to take it, one in the first it round. It boggles my mind that you think that someone who gets the ball on an offense 250 times doesn't matter. But that's what I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm just saying it's not worth a first round value. We see it year after year. You're the only argument that you, you guys always have. talk about. You always talk about how good the 49ers offense is. Look who their running backs have been. Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Jeffrey Wilson. Like these aren't first round picks. I don't but know. It's the I, offensive I, scheme. But I don't I don't know what you're getting at when yes, they have a good offensive scheme, but they didn't they didn't win either. So you can equally not win with a bad running back, and you could equally win with a good running back. But when you lose with a bad running back, it's not because it's a bad fucking running the back. The only the only the only and when you thing, win, it's the, not because you have a star running back. The only thing that you have, you haven't even used yet. It's the longevity. That's the only thing that you got. That no, running backs crap out before thirty. That's the only thing that that says don't take. No, if you're drafting, a, if you're drafting someone, I'm not drafting based on fucking longevity. You're gonna have them Longe- their rookie contract at longevity. 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 Fucking longevity. Because you're going to have them throughout the rookie contract. It's four or five years either way. You deal with that at another time. So I don't this even care about the longevity This of entire conversation in my eyes is pointless. Because my point still stands. And what is It's that? all about opportunity cost. It doesn't make sense to take a running back in the first round. You need to take a more valuable position. And I think You shouldn't that- take a running back. You shouldn't take a tight end. You shouldn't take a defensive tackle. You shouldn't take a safety. All these guys shouldn't be taken in the first round. Their position isn't important enough. I, I, I completely disagree. I mean, look at the Jets this past season. They're a crapshoot team, but Marcus May was basically just as good as Jamal Adams was. What? And don't get me started with Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams had a fucking atrocious year on the Seahawks. By, like, all accounts, Jamal Adams sucked, and they traded two first-round picks for the guy because safety is a replaceable position. I mean, he did sack the quarterback more than any other safety in the league ever this year. So What? Surprise safety blitzes. Whoa. He got to the quarterback. He could not guard. He was one of the worst cover safeties in the league. Would you rather your safety sacking the quarterback or guarding opposing receivers and tight ends? Number one, I have no idea how we even got to Jamal Adams. Number two. That because, is because it's that, all relative. No, it's because not. It's because, a, no, it's these positions don't matter. I, I, they don't I'm matter sorry, to the same that's, extent that's, as other ones. That's, the, that's what I'm talking about with the fucking... Lil Pump is the best rapper ever. Like to to talk to, to that's the analogy. They matter, but not as much as other matter. positions. You need to use your first round draft pick on a position that matters more, on a position that impacts the game more. When we say don't matter, just imagine we're saying as much after. Okay, so uh, let's talk about let's talk about don't matter. What happened to the Seahawks this year after they traded Jamal after they acquired Jamal Williams? I mean Jamal, Jamal Adams. Adams. Their defense got significantly better. Whether or not he had, a they, mid- are you forgetting? Uh, that Jamal they had one of the oh, yeah. worst defenses for, in the league. Thank you for bringing that up because that was when Jamal Adams was hurt. 
That was when Jamal Adams was hurt. Oh my god! And then he Jamal came Adams, back. They were literally, dude. They were literally one of the worst defenses in the league. Without yeah. Jamal Adams, and then Jamal Adams came back, and they were not Bro. that anymore. Yo, the Cowboys had literally one of the worst defenses ever the first several weeks. Ended up being a mid-range defense in the second half of the year. Teams fucking grow as the season goes on. I'm not giving all the success to Jamal Adams, who sucked. He sucked, period. No, he was not, not a period. good player. Not period. Not period. No, there's no period at the end of that sentence. Because A safety whose job is to roam the secondary and play man defense his, on slot receivers and mind. tight ends. His job in your mind, not his uh, on defenses. Not his defensive oh coordinator's God. mind, not Pete Carroll's mind, in your mind. Just like running Look, backs. If, Tim, your position is that there's no positions except quarterback that are more valuable than any other. Apparently. No, I'm not that's saying just that. not true. I'm not saying that. If you have all right, so if you admit that, then no, you shouldn't be willing to take these less valuable positions in the first round. It's a waste of draft capital. I disagree. I think that if you have a big board and Travis Etienne is over um, tackle X, then I'm not just taking tackle X because he's a tackle. I'm taking the best player. I, and if I that think best that's player incorrect. Is a running back, then that's who I'm going to play. But I think that's incorrect. I'd rather have a tackle who has a 30% chance of becoming an all-pro than Travis Etienne. But we should we should get to the mock draft, though. We could do this all day, and I don't see an end in sight. <laughs> well, um, running back is going to go in the first round this year, and uh, I think it's the Steelers, and I think Najee Harris can go to the Steelers, and I think it's going to be a great I mean, I don't, I'm not certain that a running back goes in the first round this year. Time will tell. If I had to bet, I'd say it, it The Steelers it are also trying to get back to their glory days of Lev Bell and shit even though the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger is nowhere near the quarterback he was during that time. You see, that's a, that's another thing, though, because this 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 whole running backs are not valuable is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a, it's a, It really is a self-fulfilling prophecy. What are you talking about? It's they're not Listen, as let valuable. Me talk. They not, were good with Lev Bell because oh Ben Roethlisberger God. was I'm one of not, the best QBs in the league. I'm not even talking about that. Like I have then what are you saying say self-fulfilling prophecy? You, are you going to listen or are you going to just... Are you going to not listen? Are you going to listen? You, you want to know what I'm going to say or you want to keep... Or you want to keep interrupting? It's, it's a self-fulfilling be prophecy because people are convinced that running backs shouldn't go in the first round. So running backs end up dropping and they go in the second round. And the difference... No, they don't. Yes, they do. The, okay, the, the, difference, be, the difference between running backs in the second and third round and running backs in the fourth through seventh round is ginormous. Like the, the hit rate... So the, why waste the first round pick? The hit rate on fourth round picks, I mean on fourth round and, high, and lower picks on running backs is terrible. So with that being said, second and third round is where the is where the running backs are. The philosophy eight years ago, seven years ago, six years ago, was draft a running back high because they get all the touches. Now the philosophy is, oh, we don't need a running back, so the running backs drop. But these running backs, they drop and then they come through and they and they're monsters. Jonathan Taylor was a first round running back who got drafted in the second round last year because of the self fulfilling prophecy of everyone thinks they're a fucking genius now. And so because why and because no one wants what do you mean then why draft him in the first round? Why why draft CH in the first round if you can get Jonathan Taylor in the second and then because you can get Because it's not that easy. It's and then not you can that get easy. Justin Jefferson in the first it's instead. Not, it's yes, not it that is. easy. No, it's not that easy. It is because the difference between Justin Jefferson and fucking No, because you're talking about a team that drafted 24 and then another team that drafted way before that. You can't you, it doesn't work that way. I'm just saying it does. No, it doesn't, especially So this you're year legit was, saying there's only running th- backs should be going more often in the first round. I think that the way that the landscape is right now is that running backs are drafted later because, number one, teams don't want to pay them, and, number two, that's just the 
That's just the the trend of the day. It's no, the, it's because it's they're the not same as way important. in the NFL draft. I mean, in the NBA draft. Big men are to... who centers like big rebounding centers used to be number one, and now they're not because that's the way the league has has gone. That doesn't mean centers a good center is any less valuable. We've been watching the Knicks. Where do you think the Knicks would be without Nerlens Noel and fucking Mitchell Robinson and and the centers that they play with? They wouldn't be anywhere. So it's not that they're not as. It's because of the the way the league has evolved. So the way the way the league has evolved is running backs. It's a bad analogy though, because Nerlens Noel not. they got off the street, and Mitchell Robinson was a second round pick. Nerlens Noel was a first round pick, and then they got him off the street Number after nine. he was washed goods. Not, so not off the street. It's a bad analogy. He was a free agent. People get people yeah. hit free agency. It's not that's, like he that's was. The term people it's not use. like he left. So everyone, everyone that signs as a free agent is off the street. Yeah, it's stupid. Correct. That's stupid. That, that's <laughs> we need it. to move on, man. Let's we end need this to move year. on. Let's end this year. So, with that being said, we're gonna draft some running backs in the first round now. But that's because we are looking at this year's draft through a purely fantasy lens. That means no defensive players. No offensive linemen, nothing, just wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, and running backs, the positions that you care about in fantasy. So with that being said, um, Jason has the first pick, right? Jason has the first pick. Jason, who is your number one pick and why? Mine is very shocking. Jason, you are on the clock. Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you got for us? In the 2021 NFL Fantasy Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence. You got a surprise on that one, right? Shocker. Woo! Let me tell you about the guy. He was the number one high school recruit. He got offers from 20-plus colleges, went to Clemson, and now he's the number one pick. The guy is 6'6", 213, so he's huge. He's the prototypical John Elway quarterback, so to speak. And he is the only true freshman ever to have a 90 or above PFF grade um, as a quarterback. His PFF grade is between 90 and 92 every season. What I like to see is that in his three seasons, every single year his completion percentage went up because accuracy is one of his issues, and his yards per attempt went up. So I like to see um, those improvements. Yards per attempt is a valuable stat when looking at quarterbacks. He's He has sneaky wheels, too. It's not like he's a statue in the pocket. He's not Mac Jones. He's not Trey Lance, either, but the guy can move. And this past season, he had the worst offensive line he's ever had at Clemson. He only had 2.3 seconds to throw every drop back, and he still killed it. Um, a little Some concerns for me, sometimes he forces throws in. Um, he locks into a wide receiver because he knows that his wide receivers are better than the other team's cornerbacks. That's not really a concern for fantasy, though. Listen, T-Law, if you want to lock into DJ Chark and force some throws or LaVisca Chenault, be my guest. I'll love it. Um, One concern, he threw 10 deep ball touchdowns on 51 attempts last year, which doesn't seem like a concern. But then he only threw four touchdowns on throws less than nine yards on 105 attempts. So he was a lot more effective on longer throws. And a lot of times in college, you're more effective in longer throws because these guys just can't keep up with your wide receivers. Uh, so I'd like to see him improve in his short passing game. This might um, this might have some implications for how much James Robinson is used in the passing game this season, assuming they don't take a running back and replace him. 
but with James Robinson in the backfield, DJ Chark and Chenault on the outside and slot, and Marvin Jones, who they just signed on the outside, with Darren Bevel over as offensive coordinator, he called a pass on 68.8% of his plays last season, according to the Brutal Fantasy app. Um, the third most in the league. Uh, Darren Bevel is not afraid to throw the ball if your team is losing, and the Jaguars will likely be losing a lot. They're spending their first-round pick on offense, not defense. Bevel, so I, Bevel, Bevel. I think that Trevor Lawrence brings a nice um, upgrade to every single player on the Jaguars' offense. I mean, this is the obvious pick. I think that one thing that we, um, one thing that we see, uh, is that in the you know the the world out there, the the stratosphere, the Twitter sphere, or whatever you want to call it, the media sphere, that once uh you know you know he has the playbook for the Jacksonville Jaguars already, and it's basically a done deal. Urban Meyer basically came out of retirement for him. Um, pretty clear they're going to take him. They stop talking about him. They just don't take. I remember um, Sam Darnold when he was going to go to the Browns number one. No one talked about him. Everyone was just like, "Oh yeah, he's the best one." Next, and it's just like you don't get a chance to really uh, get into these guys. So, I'm, Jason, I'm glad you did that. Uh, Michael, with the second round pick, as the Jets, second overall pick. You are on the clock. For our New York Jets, I select quarterback Zach Wilson. Yeah. Look, Zach Wilson is the presumed number two overall pick at this point. I don't know if this is a joke or not, but I read that he shaved his head um, to like because Robert Sala has a shaved head or some shit like that. I have no idea if that's true or not. If it is, that's hilarious. Um, but look, Zach Wilson, he is the wild card, came out of nowhere, Joe Burrow-esque type quarterback this year, right? But if you look at his numbers, he really didn't come out of nowhere. He started as a true freshman. Like Tim has done immense tape on Zach Wilson because he's going to the Jets. So Tim not, uh, has not just because of that. I got Justin Fields. I got Trey Lance. I've, I've been well, yeah, I've, but I've been, I've been looking like, at tape, kid. I feel like you went a little bit further in Zach Wilson because he's going to the Jets. I did. <laughs> I watched every but, single throw Justin. I mean, he, he made last year like more than once. If Tim's uh, as Tim's pointed out in the past, he started as a true freshman uh, in with BYU in 2018. Look, PFF grades are not. Um, the end all be all be all, but he was an 80 grade overall quarterback his fresh as a true freshman, which is not easy to do. Um, as an 18 year old quarterback, and he was solid. Uh, he threw 12 touchdowns, three intos in his time starting. Um, the following season, he dealt with injuries and he didn't have quite the same year 11 touchdowns and nine interceptions. He kind of fell off a little bit and he was like, Ah, uh, I guess what are you gonna do with this guy? No one really knew him that well. Came back fully healthy this past season. This past season as a junior, not a senior, which is a, which is a very, uh, dominator. Um, when when a team when someone dominates at a younger age, it is a, uh, it's notable because when you're a senior, you're older than a lot of the competition, and you're supposed to be better than the rest of the competition. Zach Wilson started as a true freshman, so he was a sometimes younger than typical junior as well. Dominated. At that age, 11 yards per attempt, 32 touchdowns and three interceptions. Ran a bit. Uh, he it, It's not like he's a runner, which I like too. Like he focuses on passing and runs if he needs to. The 10 touchdowns is a bit fluky for the amount of rush attempts that he had. Um, one touchdown every seven rush attempts. But either way, um, he was an effective runner when he needed to as well. The thing that stands out for me was Zach Wilson. The dude could fucking make any throw. 
it is like you don't want to compare players to Patrick Mahomes, but it is Patrick Mahomes esque the way he's able to just contort his body and make the throws where you're like, damn, look at the throw he just made. He's like the uh, the kid at the park where you go to play um, like a basketball game and you see him shoot a couple times and you're like, damn, that kid is a baller. Like he's been playing for years. That's how Zach Wilson throws the ball. The the zip comes out of it. He has a quick uh, quick release, which is which is very underrated in today's NFL. The long release could really be a factor when it comes to sacks and uh, QB uh, strip sacks and things of that sort. The dude just reaches back, flicks it out, and it goes 50-plus yards whenever he needs it to. The Jets are not a great franchise to be landing in at the current moment, but they're trending up a Robert Sala and all the first-round and second-round picks that they've acquired over the next several seasons. A lot of people are going to say... He played at BYU. He struggled against good competition. Well, when you have a majority of a team that is not as good as the players on the other team, when you're playing better teams, it's hard to excel. Like, yeah, maybe he could have played better against the better teams that he played against, but he absolutely dominated the teams that were at or below the level of the BYU players and I'm excited for Zach Wilson. He He's basically jumped up to my number two quarterback as well. Um, so I'm all aboard the Zach Wilson train. I think he has a lot, a lot of talent. And hopefully the Jets are able to get a solid team around him with, uh, I mean, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, Corey Davis, not the worst receiver core. I think they need to obviously improve their offensive line, maybe add a running back in the second or third round. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Tim would like that. But yeah, I think, they, uh, I think Zach Wilson's going to be a, a good player, man. I'm cool with the Jets taking Zach Wilson second because I think his ceiling is higher than Justin Fields. I don't know about Trey Lance. Trey Lance has a pretty damn high ceiling as well, but I definitely think Wilson's ceiling is higher than Fields. You know what? No one even sees? if his floor is lower. You know what? No one sees for um, like Trevor Lawrence led the league. He had 78 checkdowns, uh, screen passes. I don't want to say checkdowns. 78 screen passes last year. Zach Wilson didn't throw any, almost any screen passes. And his ability to just kind of drop back three steps and make a 15-yard out on the money where no one else could get it but his receiver, you don't see that on the highlights. But that's something that stands out. That's something you have to really take into consideration is can he make that routine play? And I think that's one thing that the guy that I'm about to draft is one of the reasons why um, one of the reasons why he's not definitely going number three in the draft, I think, is because he struggled making that routine play. But if I'm thinking fantasy-wise, and even if I'm thinking regular-wise, Justin Fields is my clear pick for the 49ers. It's just the most sensible marriage in terms of what could be great for an offense. Let's take a look at let's take a second and, and take a look at Kyle Shanahan's offense. Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, that whole like conglomerate that that was birthed from the Jay Gruden system in in um uh what what do you call it? in uh in Washington, right? That whole conglomerate that that it was the misdirection, the the uh, the the play action, the RPOs. That is all on the Shanahan tree. And last year, even though Jimmy G only played six games, the 49ers still had the fifth most passing yards out of play action last year in general. Despite the fact that it works so well, though, and the 49ers, you know, always with the motion, always with the misdirection, um, always, 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 never a play without motion. 
Despite that, they only ran 24 RPO pass plays last year. That's 24th. And they only ran five RPO plays that ended in a run. That is the third least number in the NFL. The 49ers also had the fourth worst intended air yards per attempt last season. The reason why I'm bringing all this up is because one person solves all these issues, and his name is Justin Fields. Justin Fields will automatically make your RPO offense into one of the most feared offenses in the NFL right off the bat. You're talking about a quarterback that ran a 4-4-4-40 time. You're talking about someone who had the second most accurate deep ball after Joe Burrow in the last three draft classes, according to PFF. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And, and by all accounts that we've heard about Justin Fields, he's a hard worker. He's extremely coachable. He's a student of the game. I mean, I, I don't know if this was a dream that I had because I can't find this on ESPN+. Plus. If anyone tells me, if anyone can tell me where, hey, rookie, welcome to the NFL lives in this world, let me know because I watched like 15 minutes of it and I'm like, oh, I'll come back to this later. I'm, I'm, I was a little busy at the time. I tried to find it. I can't find it. But he's a vegan, which isn't great for him, which um, that's something that we'll talk about another time. But he's a vegan, but all he does is go home and study. Like he's not even like the, the pandemic has made him into a hermit. And that is even better. He is mentally at the level he needs to be. He is physically at the level he needs to be. And the thing that he needs to work on is the thing that Kyle Shanahan can just give him. He threw the 88th most screen passes in college football last year. If your worry is that he can't complete a short throw, he reminds me a lot of Cam Newton. Right. The reason why I say that is because he's got the same kind of herky-jerky motion as well, throwing the ball, which is the concerning thing for me. But he's so accurate when going deep that if your if your thing that you have to work out is not making the best decisions underneath, no problem. Go to Kyle Shanahan; he'll do that for you. And then what you can do for him is make his RPOs more effective, is make his deep ball passes more effective, and it just makes the offense as a whole more effective. So for me, I think Justin Fields makes the most sense in San Francisco, and uh, I'm drafting him here. I forgot to give myself the NFL draft sound. Hold on. The 49ers take Justin Fields. <laughs> I love this draft sound. Do you guys have anything to say about this? I don't hate it. I think I mean, the Niners should take. I think the Niners should take Fields or Lance over, um, over Mac Jones. Mac Jones, of course. But I said from the beginning, I feel like it was a Trey Lance trade up. I'm gonna stick to that. Yeah, I think so too. Trey Lance could. I, I agree. I, I look. I'm not gonna act like I'm a QB whisperer. I've gotten QBs wrong in the past. I've gotten QBs right in the past. It happens. I just don't see it with Mac Jones. He throws the ball so short arm and like it's just so unnatural. He's he's got a gut. Like I don't I don't see it. All right, Jason. <laughs> uh you're on the clock. The Falcons with the number four pick. Who do you select? The Falcons with perhaps the first bombshell of today's draft. Select running back out of North Carolina, Javante Williams. This is definitely. I'll tell you why I think this is a perfect fit because it's not Najee Harris, it's not Travis Etienne. I think Javante Williams is a great fit for the Falcons. For anyone joining us just now, this is fantasy focused. Just to put that out there. 
It is, yeah. I don't expect the Falcons to take him this early. But if the Falcons get him in the second round, that'd be yummy. They they obviously need a running back. Um, that's the first part of this. Now, secondly, he was hyper efficient in a timeshare last season, which is why the PFF um comp for him is Aaron Jones, who is also hyper efficient in a timeshare. I don't mind being hyper efficient in a timeshare. I feel like the last time we saw the Falcons have very good running backs was the Freeman and Coleman duo, where they were very good in a timeshare. Um, they're kind of a similar size too. Devontae Freeman's 5'8", 206. Williams is 5'10", 212. Uh, but let's get to the more important stuff. Arthur Smith is the head coach now. Arthur Smith knows how to use weapons. Uh, he lived off of Derrick Henry and he made Ryan Tannehill. Well, Ryan Tannehill was pretty efficient with Gase too, just because he's a very good quarterback. But Ryan Tannehill, true throw value king under Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith knows how to use his weapons. Javante Williams broke the PFF record for broken tackles per attempt last year. He had almost a half of a broken tackle. Every two uh, rush attempts, he broke a tackle. It's ridiculous. And he had the highest rushing grade ever marked by PFF. He won a tracks title in high school. So this guy, and and the best part about it is because he doesn't have that super breakaway speed that you'd expect from a track star, but you can see it in his burst. You could tell that this guy knows how to get into his running stance and then just explode out of it. So you could you see it when he's moving that he just really knows how to burst with the ball. And what I think is most intriguing about Williams is his pass game work. In his career in college, he didn't get that much, but he caught 49 of 55 targets. He broke nine tackles last season on only 24 receptions. He did drop three passes, but I'll give him a break for that because it really wasn't used too often. I think he has a decent chance to become a very valuable running back out of the backfield. And he had 27 15-plus yard carries. So this guy can do it all. He's small but strong. 5'10", 212 is no joke. Uh, I think he's a great fit in Atlanta. He can be the goal line back. He can catch passes. He can make big plays. He's everything that they wanted Todd Gurley to be. I'd, I'd love if he ended up on Atlanta. I like it. I like Very interesting. I like, that. I like that fit, although he is my third favorite running back in the class, so I maybe would have went for a different running back, but I like the running back you know, in the Falcons. Mike Davis is going in like the sixth, seventh round in best balls right now because he's the presumed lead back there. Seems a bit uh, a bit rich for my taste. I yeah, mean, a nice Javante Williams, Mike Davis um, timeshare would be fantastic. Mike Davis was best before he started getting ran into the ground last year. Yeah, true. Uh, Michael, you are representing the Bengals, and you, sir, are on the clock. Yeah. The Cincinnati Bengals in the 2021 NFL Draft select wide receiver from LSU, Jamar Chase. I think that's what's going to really happen in real life, too. Michael's yeah, I think, I think the Burrow to Chase connection is too tempting for them to pass up. I personally think an offensive lineman might be a better fit for them, but I also think Jamar Chase is the next like generational superstar type guy. The dude absolutely dominate. He didn't, unfortunately he didn't play this past season, which is, uh, I mean, he, he opted out. So what are you going to do? But he had an absolutely ridiculous 2019 as a sophomore, um, 1,780 yards, 20 touchdowns, over 21 yards per catch. This was with Justin Jefferson also on the team. He outperformed Justin Jefferson as a younger player, and Justin Jefferson just had literally the best rookie wide receiver season we have seen maybe in NFL history, definitely within the past 20-plus years. 
And now Jamar Chase is a shoo-in, I think, as a top 10 pick. I, I don't see how he falls past that. Uh, Drew Osinchuk, who we had on the podcast, Dynasty Work, has him as not as good of a prospect as Calvin Johnson, but the next guy. So on his rankings, he has uh, Jamar Chase, the closest to Calvin Johnson that he's had since Calvin Johnson. Um, the dude is an absolute monster. Uh, he's fast. He ran under a 440. Um, he breaks tackles. He he just runs by cornerbacks, but he also he doesn't get bodied at the line either. He bodies opposing cornerbacks if he needs to. Like there's a lot of people who I mean, someone made Jamar Chase their wide receiver seven, and he deserves to be laughed out of fantasy circles forever. But look, this dude was absolutely dominant. When he had to go up and get it, he went up and got it. The fact that he's six foot maybe is a little eh. Like maybe if he was six two, six three, you'd like him a little bit more. But I mean, there's nothing really wrong with six foot two hundred when he's running under a four four forty. And honestly, he's just he's one of my favorite players I've seen in the past several seasons. I was upset that he opted out this past season, but look, as a sophomore, outperforming Justin Jefferson is honestly more than enough than I need to know without seeing him just dominate across the entire league and just put the entire college football world like look at me, look how much of a star I am. I think Jamar Chase, and Chase is an absolute star in the making, and I don't see how he isn't a uh, a superstar for years to come. So I think any team that drafts him, I mean, if the Bengals do draft him, I get it, because Higgins, Boyd, and Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow is fucking awesome. That's going to be a, a fantasy uh, smorgasbord. Um, I'm going to go to my pick now. I am representing the Dolphins. Ugh. But I'm on the clock. So if I'm the Dolphins, I have, uh, in terms of fantasy, I have a bunch of things that I could that I could look at here. I could look at I could, I could look at Kyle Pitts, who's supposed to be this generational, once in a lifetime person. I could look at uh, Jalen Waddle. I could look at Elijah Moore. I could look at uh, Devontae Smith, who is the only wide receiver to win. Um, the Heisman in forever. Um, but I'm going to go Najee Harris here because Tua had his struggles last year, and now you're giving the reins to Tua. And what's the best thing to do to uh, a young wide rece- a young running back is... Yeah, he loves can- his first-round running backs. <laughs> <laughs> a young quarterback, what they need, like you can get them a wide receiver, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. With a running back, he can. that's the guy who could take the ball out of Tua's hands and have the team have success anyway. He's a bruiser. He can handle the ball 250 times right off the bat. 6'2", 230. You're talking about a giant man. Um, all the other running back prospects are no higher than, no taller than 5'10". Um, to give you an idea, like Alvin Kamara is 5'10". So the, he is a giant, giant running back. Um, like I said, someone to take the pressure off Tua. He's going to be in, in, the tr- in the trenches, in between the tackles type of guy, but... Underrated pass catcher. Now, he never ran routes or anything, but he was a nice checkdown option. 43 receptions, 425 yards, and four touchdowns for Najee Harris last season. You get that Alabama connection uh, in Miami. Uh, a good coach in Brian Flores, who comes from a system uh, in New England where they were run first uh, most of the time. So with that being said, I think uh, Harris is the play here, and I think he's the he's like my 1B running back. I just think it's a better fit for the Dolphins here because they already have um, Miles Gaskin, who doesn't really fit the receiving running back role, although his stature 
seems to say that it does, and Salvin Ahmed. So uh, they have smaller guys. Now let's see what they could do with a big guy. That's it for yeah, me. Yeah, um, I, I like the. Uh, you guys are really missing my I end, like, end periods. <laughs> I gotta say today. I like the. I like that landing spot. Um, in this scenario, I if I was the Dolphins, I'd also be possibly looking for an offensive lineman or defensive type player. But I, uh, if they go running back, I do think Najee Harris or Travis Etienne would be a a solid get. Even though I don't think they should in the first round. Let's make that clear. But now, Jason, you're on the clock again. Tim, I need my music, bro. You don't slack. You you guys just totally hijacked that. I'm I'm gonna start because you know I'm 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 the host. Suck it, Michael. Jason is now on the clock with the Lions, and I know this pick. He may have given it away in a tweet earlier. Is something he's very excited about. Can I make it? I can't hear the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. <laughs> okay. So Elijah Moore. Is my choice here. Um, I don't Ooh. think the Lions should take him with the eighth overall pick, but I think Seven. if they're in the trade back territory, I would love if they move back in the first round and grabbed him. I cannot think of a better fit anywhere. That's what I tweeted earlier. Like if there was a perfect fit button, it would have Elijah Moore and the Lions next to each other. I don't want to. I don't want to pigeonhole Moore right now before he ever takes an NFL snap, but he's a slot receiver. He's never played a college season with less than 399 slot snaps. So that's what he's going to do in the NFL. But the good thing about that is he has experience in the slot and he's shown toughness in the slot, in the spot, in the slot. He only had two drops on 101 targets last year while reeling in 86 of them. He also broke 18 tackles and was also used outside as a wide receiver for wide receiver screens. Being a slot receiver requires toughness because you're going to get balls thrown to you with linebackers and safeties diving in right at your face, ready to knock you out if you catch that ball. And with Elijah Moore, we've seen that toughness, and he's used to it. He's been running out of the soft for three years. Um, also, with the wide receiver screen usage, I feel like Elijah Moore could be a Debo Cole Beasley mix, as odd as a mix of those two sound. Because he has decent yak ability, and he's also a good slot receiver. He's 5'9", 178, so he's not like super big. But you don't need to be huge. To be a slot receiver, he's crafty enough to get um, to beat cornerbacks. And the reason I love this spot so much is because of the quarterback and the weapons. Jared Goff, no matter if it was Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, or even Tyler Higbee during his crazy stretch, Goff loves attacking the middle of the field. We say it over and over on this podcast. Bad quarterbacks love tight ends, and running backs. You know who else they love? Slot wide receivers. Why do they love all those people? Because they're in the middle of the field. There's less room for error when you're throwing the ball shorter. Getting it outside the numbers is not something that every quarterback can do effectively. Jared Goff loves throwing the ball to the middle of the field. And if you look at who the Lions have brought in this season, it's Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams. Those are two deep ball guys. These are not guys who are going to move inside, and beat you with sharp route running. No. These are guys who are going to run streaks and try to open up the field. And with those two opening up the field, Elijah Moore in the slot and TJ Hawkinson doing his thing with the, with Swift in the backfield, I honestly think that uh, Elijah Moore would, be, would end with the most fantasy points on the lines if he ended up on the lines out of wide receivers. I think the fit is perfect. No, no. Yeah, uh... I think it's a... 
No Jalen Waddle. No Devontae Smith. It makes sense. They don't need Waddle. Waddle's more of a fast Henry Ruggs type guy. They already have that. And I am not a believer in Devontae Smith. I think he's too small. Honestly, he's like if I became an NFL wide receiver. Like, he's mad good, but I just I don't think it's going to last. All right. With that being said. I'm on the clock, baby. Michael. Hit me. You own the clock. I am on the clock, folks. And it is time. It is time to draft another quarterback to the Panthers because I'm not a big fan of the Sam Darnold experiment. Trey Lance. Trey Lance, dude, you cannot find, honestly, I don't think you could find another wild card like Trey Lance in any of the past several seasons because if he had a one-year wonder-type season at, like, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, one of those schools, you'd be able to at least get some type of idea um, if his talent will translate to the NFL level. But his star season was at North Dakota State. And, dude, it was just such a crazy star season, though. Like, 2,800 yards, just barely missed it. 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions, over a 90 PFF grade. And the dude is just an athletic animal. Like, he is the... Like, he's 6'4", 224. And he is basically... And he did that as a sophomore. He's, like, the... I don't know how to, like, who's a very, very, very athletic, maybe like Lamar Jackson. He's basically like a Lamar Jackson type guy, except this dude, the ball, it it just rockets out of his, rockets out of his arm. Like, he has an absolutely crazy, ridiculous arm. Unfortunately, he did not play this season. He only had one game this season in which he struggled a little bit, but whatever, it was one game. He is a complete wild card, but the intangibles and the tools are absolutely out of control. Like this guy did not throw a single interception in the 2019 season. He ran the ball a ton because he's an effective runner and ridiculously athletic. Like, and his passing grade improved at every step. Like according to PFF, his passing grade improved from 10 to 19 yards from one to nine, and then improved even further from 20 plus yards. So when he was throwing downfield, his passing rate, uh, his passing rating, his passing grade, excuse me, was increasing. <sighs> he he's an absolute wild card. But imagine a capable, ridiculous athlete in the high high octane Matt Rule Carolina offense with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, like that could be a lot of fun. It's like Teddy Bridgewater on steroids that offense would be and it was decent somehow even with Teddy Bridgewater last season I would be hyped if Trey Lance did end up going to Carolina because I do think there is a possibility still like I I don't think it's out of the question just because they traded for Sam Darnold but man he's an absolute wild card there's no denying that but the intangibles and tools yell that he could be an absolute monster if he's able to be accurate which is a little bit of a concern um, and just grow from what he showed in his 2019 season I got to say, of all the quarterbacks, I know the least about Trey Lance. I think everyone's like that. It's kind of like you're awed by the talent. You're like, oh, my God, this guy could be so great. But you you don't know much about him. He's the one that I'm glad I'm not a team that needs a quarterback um, around this time because 
you know, you hit your wagon to someone like that and it, it could be a, a interesting next three years. You could be you could have this unbelievable talent and really turn around your franchise or you could have a dud. With that being said, speaking of unbelievable talents to turn around a franchise, I was looking for Trey Lance as the Broncos in number nine and I was sniped. So with my pick. Hey, <laughs> hey. I am going with Jalen Waddle, wide receiver from Alabama. Now, here's why. Now, I was looking at Devontae Smith, and Devontae Smith, you could argue, is the better of the two. Um, but the Broncos already have last year's version of Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy. They have Cortland Sutton, and they have Noah Fant. Those guys are all, although Sutton can go long and make plays down the field, those guys are more, um, you know, volume possession type receivers like Jerry Judy's kind of like a Michael Thomas type of receiver in the sense of he's not going to beat you over the top a thousand times but he can beat you over the middle a thousand times so what do they need they need that downfield threat um that's where Waddle comes in last season before he got hurt 591 and four in five games in his college career he averaged 19 yards per carry I mean 19 yards per catch excuse me that's three years including his freshman year drew lock um if he beats out teddy bridgewater for that spot has the big arm and you don't have to worry about this guy being a nuisance and demanding the ball his career high in catches in a game in his entire career is only six he's only averaged four catches a game he's a home run threat he's the field stretcher he's the better version of henry ruggs that we saw last year um because he could do more so i just think that this is a a no-brainer fit in terms of fantasy so for the broncos i'm going Jalen waddle Period. I mean, it's interesting. They, I think this was a tough draw for you, the Broncos, needing to choose a position player because, I mean, they have Sutton, they have Judy, they have Noah Fant. I'm, I'm, and I was going to say, Mac Jones is still on the board. I'm not taking Mac Jones. I am not a Mac Jones guy. I think Mac Jones has bust written all over him. Very interesting. Very interesting. I mean, he, he looks like he's throwing with the arm that he is not natural. Like, he looks like he's a right and he's throwing with his left. Or he looks like he's a lefty and he's throwing with his right. <laughs> like I know that's not I know that's not scientific or anything, but it's when, science. But you're looking at a guy who was throwing to the two best wide receivers in football behind the best offensive line in college football with the best running back in college football. Like you have to look at him for what he is, and he's short arming the ball like he's. I mean, unless he's Philip Rivers, like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not with it. All right, if you say so. Anyway, Jason, you are now on the clock. The Cowboys are picking, and every Cowboy fan pretty much knows where you're going with this one. And if this happens in real life, Cowboys fans might have a parade. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I don't condone this pick in real life, but for fantasy, I'll take it all day. The answer is the person that even your grandma has heard of leading up to this NFL draft. Kyle Pitts, the guy with a bus dedicated to him in Canton already. It's insane, the athlete that Kyle Pitts is. He's 6'6", 255. And he ran a 4-4-4 with a 97th percentile broad jump. Imagine being that big, that heavy, but being able to run and jump like that. He's like legit an alien. And I know he's crazy, but I'm going to tell you guys a little more about how crazy he is. He's never dropped a pass in college. He's beaten man and zone coverage consistently because he's able to break out of his routes as if he's a smaller wide receiver. And he's done all of this while he's only 20 years old. People say that he'd be a first-round pick if he came out as a wide receiver. So as a tight end, 
when you're going to get a matchup where because teams are still living in the um, stone ages where they put they have to put a linebacker on a tight end just because um, Kyle Pitts is going to torch linebackers. He also spent 20% of his time in the slot in college, so he has experience do that, doing that. It's not like he's always playing in-line tight end. And he's not the best blocker. Who gives a shit? Because he's going to the Cowboys. I hear this you a got lot. Dak. Sorry, I hear this a lot. He's a willing blocker. Like He's not the best, but he'll get in there in the trenches. Fine, good. So he'll learn. He's only 20. But with Dak, Zeke, Pollard, Lamb, Cooper, Gallup, the only missing piece in that offense is tight end. And whether it be Blake Jarwin or Dalton Schultz, everyone was clamoring over Dallas tight ends last season at some point. Those guys aren't keeping Pitts off the field. And if he ever does come off the field, it's going to be when the Cowboys are going run heavy. And if last year was any indication with Dak Prescott, they're not going to be going run heavy pretty often because their defense sucks and they're going to be putting up a lot of points. So there's no better fit here for the Cowboys than Kyle Pitts. The unicorn, as people like to call him. A unicorn. Dak Prescott with C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Zeke, and Kyle Pitts would be glorious. Glorious. Truly glorious. glorious. Don't glorious. Don't glorious. Gallup. And Gallup. See? Wow. Jeez Louise. That's a good. That's good. It's that's good. good. It's good. Play the music for me, Tim. My good. Team. You are on the clock. The New York Giants. Hey, I got the Jets and Giants, baby. Let's Michael, go. Keeping it big for New York City. With the business. 11th pick. Of the NFL draft, the New York Giants select Devontae Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. Look, start this off. I'm a little skeptical about Devontae Smith's size. I'm not going to lie. Like, people talk about BMI and all these advanced stats and like, oh, who cares? Look at his tape. I get that. But the fact of the matter is, size-wise, Devontae Smith would need to be an outlier to be a star in the NFL. It's just, like, basic math. Like, I don't know why it's so, like, people take it to heart so much. Like, players of his size don't necessarily pan out the majority of the time in the NFL. But players of his size usually aren't nearly as dominant either. Like this guy just had 23 touchdowns, 1,800 yards, and 117 receptions for Alabama this past season. And one of the knocks, oh, he had a lot of screen plays, right? They had a lot of screen plays drawn up for him. He had 35 screen catches, 504 yards, excuse me, 304 yards on screen plays both first in the nation. But guess what? He also had 15 deep catches, which was tied for first, and 589 deep yards, which was first in the nation. So yes, he dominated at the screen level. He also absolutely dominated downfield. Absolutely. And he, absolutely. He also absolutely dominated going and getting the ball. Like he wasn't just a quick speed wide receiver. If he needed to take the ball from someone, he was taking the ball from someone. The biggest concern right now for Devontae Smith, which is I hear it over and over, he's too skinny. Weight is a bigger issue in the NFL, you know? Like, will he be able to get by opposing cornerbacks? Will he be able to get off of a bump and run if he's in the slot from a linebacker? Things of that sort. Those are legitimate concerns for someone his size. Like, he weighs 170 pounds. Like, I weighed in this morning at 168 pounds. Like, I'm the same weight as Devontae Smith. This shit, Michael. Thanks. It's a little ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little ridiculous that he's only 170 pounds, especially when he's like 6'1". I guess it's a little concerning. I'm not going to lie. But he also absolutely dominated all of last season. He also was very, very solid as a fresh, as a junior and sophomore as well. That's another thing. He dominated as a senior 
at Alabama, which is expected at that level of competition. So there are some red flags for Smith. But if you guys are going to let Devontae Smith fall past Jalen Waddell and Elijah Moore, I'll gladly swipe him up for the Giants because Daniel Jones, this is his make-or-break year. They went out and got Kenny Galladay. Saquon's returning. They still have Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, who's atrocious, but at least he could make an impact catching the ball offensively. They're giving him weapons, man. So I would not be shocked if they go out and grab someone like Devontae Smith. And he he would be able to have an impact right away. I could see them play action, quick throw to Devontae Smith, plays lined up for Devontae Smith, keep him on the opposite side of Kenny Galladay. So when they're focusing on Galladay, try to get Devontae Smith in space or a deep shot. Like I could see that happening where even if he does get beat up a little bit by opposing cornerbacks, they still allow him to get open in space and to get him the ball out of his hands quick. And we'll see how his size translates to the NFL. It doesn't happen often. So he is a bit of an outlier here, but he was absolutely dominant this past season and he should be fun to watch at the very least. All right. With that being said, and I agree, uh, we close it out team. I'm going to close this one out with the franchise that, uh, is basically in flux right now, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they won a they won a Super Bowl, and then they d- decided to become the worst franchise in football. Um, so, the person I'm drafting for the Eagles is someone that they're definitely not going to draft. I'm drafting Travis Etienne, and the reason why I'm drafting Travis Etienne is really because I want to talk to you about Travis Etienne. But with the Eagles, it's very interesting, right? Because they have Nick Sirianni coming over from. Um, coming over from the Colts, and he used two to three running backs every game last year. They are in a run-centric offense. Hertz plus Sanders plus Etienne, all on the field at the same time, running an RPO. It's a very hard um, hard to predict because Sanders can go out and to catch a pass. Etienne can go out and catch a pass. I want this opportunity to talk about Etienne because I really truly believe that he's the next Alvin Kamara. When you watch him play... He is slippery just like Alvin Kamara. He never takes a shot like Alvin Kamara never takes a shot. His vision is next level. He's elusive. And not only that, he looks exactly like the fucking guy. Like, he's got the dreads coming out in the back. He's the exact same height. He's the exact same weight. He he almost ran the exact same 40 time. Like, these guys are literally mirror images of each other. And... They play like mirror images of each other. He even, I mean, Kamara went to Tennessee and um, Etienne went to Clemson. So even in their, like their main color is orange. Even in their college tape, they look alike because they're both wearing orange. He could catch. Now he does struggle um, with some pass protection. Uh, so that's, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But he can catch. He's slippery. And they give, he gives them... Um, three a three-headed monster out of the backfield where you never know where the offense is coming from. And for a young coach like Sirianni and a um, franchise in flux like the Eagles, I think that's a big one. That's it. We went a little over, but that is our mock draft. To, uh, to uh, just recap real quick, uh, T-Law to the Jags, Wilson to the Jets, Fields to the Niners, and then we have the Falcons, Javante Williams, Bengals, Jamar Chase, Dolphins, Najee Harris, Lions, Elijah Moore, Panthers, Trey Lance, Broncos, Jalen Waddle, Jason, Kyle Pitts, Michael, Devontae Smith, 
and Tim Travis ETN. And this remember, just saying you just you just changed from names to oh, did I? Sorry, Cowboys. Our names: Cowboys, <laughs> Pitts, Giants, Devonta Smith, Eagles, Travis ETN. Sorry, the way I have it written down is Cowboys dash Jason dash Pitts. Anyway, um, with that being said, Jason, where can they find you? At Brodoff of Jason. Right in the middle of the yawn. I love it. Mike, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. You can find Casanova at Brodo FF Casanova. You can find me at Brodo FF Tim. See what we did there. You can support the show, BrotoFantasy.com and Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. And don't forget to download the Fantasy Football by Brodo app for everything you need to dominate your fantasy football leagues in 2020. Bang, bang. Uno. Bang, bang. Remember. Folks, this is, I said folks, I feel like Michael. This is a, a mock draft for, and very important, for fantasy. All right? No one thinks Travis Etienne is going 12 to the to the, to the the Eagles. Stop, don't flame me. All right? Later. I mean, Jason and I did preface a couple with, I wouldn't make this pick in real life, but. <laughs> well, I wouldn't make can't. this decision in real life, but we got to go. Peace. True. Later. Later.